Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson, joined as always by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And yes, I am still in a new location, probably for the rest of this week. So, yeah, sorry about the uh, low sound quality. I do what I can in post, but it's still not, obviously, optimal or at the level that it usually is. So please bear with me for this week. I, I apologize for that. But next week, we'll be back on track in our normal locations, normal setup, better microphone, all that kind of stuff. So... This uh, uh, lowering of quality hopefully will not uh, alter the content at all. So today is Literature Wednesday. We've got, as always, just a ton of stuff to go through. We're going through Chapter 7 in Douglas Wilson and Douglas Jones's book, Angels in the Architecture. We've been spending the last two months going through this book, and there's still so, so much here to go through. I think we're... Yeah, about halfway through. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're making progress. This is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Today, we are talking about celebration and glorifying God in the body, in the flesh, in this world. Um, celebrating the blessings that he's given to us. We talked about joy and how Christians should live a life of Christian joy last week. And now, what does that joy lead to? Hopefully, it leads to celebration. It leads to splurging. It leads to um, not some great uh, 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 pietistic or quote-unquote pietistic, what we call pietistic today, uh, uh, you know, high collars with lace and just like folded hands and pretentiousness. Yeah, none of that. None of that. Right out the window. What's that? Gildedness. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> so none of that. Celebration is what we're going to talk about today. And the Bible talks so, so much about celebration. So that's what this chapter was all about. We have a show website, trdshow.net. Please check it out. Uh, send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. We want to hear from you. Have you enjoyed this book so far? What was your favorite chapter? What did you enjoy most about that chapter? And uh, what are some topic uh, ideas? What are some questions you have that can be theological? They can be Christian worldview related. Uh, they can be a debate. They can be, hey, challenge us on something we've stated on the show. We'd love to respond and reply to that. So just send us some ideas. What questions do you have? trdshow.protonmail.com is where you can send all of your questions, debate, uh, poking, prodding things. All of that can go there. That would be great. Um, so before we delve into chapter seven and angels in the architecture, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And of course, it's verses of the week. And Wednesday means that Jacob gets to break down those verses. So Jake, do your thing. Take it away. Yeah. And our verse this week is John 12, uh, verse 30 through 32. And it says, Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And in researching this, uh, I first asked the question. Uh, Bruce, Bruce and I were kind of doing this together, sort of the research for this. But um, I kind of was asking 
what does it mean by this voice? What what is this referring to? What is it? What is the context of this? Why why is it referring to this voice? What you know? And so yep. we went back a little bit, and uh, then it said the then a voice came from heaven. Uh, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. Uh, so then again, I had to ask another question and say, what is it talking about when it says it? Uh, so I went back even further to John 12 verses 27 through 29. And those verses say, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. The crowd that the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And in these verses, we see uh, what is being said. Uh, it's saying that Christ is saying, "Father, glorify your name." It's saying, "God the Father, glorify your name." And the the voice from heaven says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. Um, however, we take this into the, to account, the verse that, or the, our verse of the week, is saying this voice, the voice saying that I have glorified it, and I will glorify it, this voice has come for our sake, not Christ's. It's coming for our sake. Why, why, why would this pertain to us? How would, how would, um, how would uh, glorifying God's name pertain to us? How would God glorifying His name and how Him glorifying, glorifying it, and Him continually glorifying it? How does that pertain to us? Um, and the interpretation I take with this is that through our actions, through what we do and say. We are glorifying his name or not glorifying it and, you know, by not doing the right things. But through our actions, we are glorifying him. Um, God has glorified his name and is, glor is glorifying his name. And that is through us. That is through what we do here on this earth. And, you know, this is the whole point of our show, really. You know, we've. We've been talking about this from the beginning, that our actions and everything that we do has to be uh, seen and done through the lens of the Bible. And that is the way that we glorify his name. And most recently, we've really been hitting hard the idea that this is through our work as well, instead of just, it is through the very menial tasks of the day, but for men specifically, when in work, this is very important that through our work we glorify his name. So, didn't intend yep. for this to be a rant, but... Oh, um, I don't think that was a rant. No, that was okay. that okay. was great commentary, great observations on that. Yeah, and I think that's it's a lot to consider, a lot to contemplate, um, because there's so much there. And there's I, I'm really glad you took that, that tact um, and that perspective on this verse, because... You know, we, we're taking the, the other part of it, talking about the ruler of this world will be cast out and the dethroning of Satan and the enthroning of Christ and all of that. 
And hey, let's take a step back. What is what is driving all of this? It's it's glorifying God's name. That's what's truly driving all of this. So well, yeah. yeah even so, you you continue on to that verse and it's kind of like explaining why it's it's sort of saying for this sake that this voice is uh it is our sake it is for our sake that god is saying that he's glorified and he's glorifying yep. his name and that is and we can do this because the ruler of this world has been cast out mm, yeah yeah it, it, it goes back Great to point. us talking about talking about the limited gospel we're, we're saying that you know christ dying and being resurrected and resurrecting is is foundational for sure but it moves on from that it it is vitally important to understand that because because well because of that we can then do what we're supposed to do we can then glorify god's name in the bringing up of his kingdom because christ died and resurrected right and yep so we're saying that, yes, that is still part of the gospel, but it is the gospel of the kingdom. It is it is a section of the gospel, foundational, yeah. where we have to continue yeah. building the rest of the house. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that house building does not go without celebration at times. That house building does not go without splurging. That house barn building raising. does not go without... Well, barn raising, yeah, <laughs> which is a lot of work. Well, oh, I guess when, some people use that as a when celebration. When you barn raise, though, like you're bringing all these people, the entire community, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a feast afterwards. Like yeah. you, you yeah. put all the pieces of the barn up, then there's a feast, there's dancing, there's yeah, a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. And so through all of that, um, the unfortunate thing today, and this is what chapter seven of our book this week really focused on, was that the unfortunate um, result of modernity and post-modernity and secularism and Darwinism and all of those ridiculous notions, with all of that came, unfortunately, a dilution of the Christian faith in so many different ways. And one of the facets we're focusing on today is that modern, modern Christians have lost the gift a biblical celebration. Modern Christians don't understand anymore how to celebrate properly. Um, and one of the verses that this chapter pulled in that is shocking, it said the God we worship is a shocking God. He says shocking things like this, spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord, your God, and rejoice you and your household. That's Deuteronomy 14, 26. Oh my goodness, how unfrivolous, or how frivolous, how unfrugal, <laughs> right? You're, that's not, your personal finances, you're going to splurge and spend it on sheep, oxen, wine, strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. So that's horrible. We can't do that. We, we have to be responsible people, stiflingly so. No, the the Bible talks about everything in moderation, but it also talks here about God talks all the time about using the blessings he's given you for celebration, celebrating with all of these things, with wine, strong drink, oxen, sheep, whatever your appetite craves, eating all of this food, feasting, right? Page 79 
uh, Douglas Jones wrote this chapter. I think he stated this really well. He said, for some reason, foreign to our modern ears, God tells us that celebration is central to pleasing him. It is central to leading a good life. Modern American life has no time for serious celebrations, as did life in centuries past. We've forgotten that celebration isn't just an option. It's a call to full Christian living. Celebration is worshiping God with our bodies, with the material creation he has set up around us, end quote. So that's a, that's a common theme we're going to harp on for the rest of this episode, is celebration isn't just an option. It's like, oh, all right, if I feel like it, I'll celebrate. Well, if I feel like it, okay, I'll put on a feast and invite a lot of people over it. All right. On uh, very rare occasions, once on a blue moon, I'll have a feast. That's not didn't, what the Bible says. Didn't Paul say, uh, worship the Lord with joy or worship the Lord with glad hearts? Uh, so, yeah, does that mean? Yeah. I, I, like, I like that he put in here that this is, this is worship, right? Mm-hmm. This is, the celebration is worshiping God with our bodies. Yeah. And, yep. and the material yep. creation, specifically the material creation there. Uh, it's, yeah. We're not, we're not um, dualists in thinking that, or, or at least, yeah, dualists, I think. I, I think I'm setting we're the question correctly. <laughs> uh, agnostics. There we go. That's better. That's better. Gnostics. But uh, yeah, Gnostics. not thinking that only the spiritual is good. And the right. material, bad. Right, right. Yeah, that it's just inherently evil, which the Bible speaks against very clearly so often. Um, So celebrating well includes feasting, which is really interesting. You know, uh, CrossPolitik, one of their shows on their network is called Fight, Laugh, Feast. Um, And actually, I think it's the other way around. Fight, Laugh, Feast is the network and CrossPolitik is one of the shows on it. I always get those two mixed up. (laughs) It's the other way around. Um, but that's part of it. You know, we're, we're fighting, which we've talked about the great theological battles. We've talked about the culture wars all, you know, in previous chapters of this book. Um, we are laughing. We've talked so much about Christian joy. We've talked so much about the, um, beauty and the laughter and the excitement of life. And we're also feasting. That's a huge component of Christian, uh, medievalism, but Christian biblically lived like the, the biblical worldview, the Christian worldview lived out on a everyday scale. So page 80, Douglas Jones says throughout scripture and later history, feasting stands as the central expression of celebration through Isaiah. God promised a messianic future in which he would wipe away tears from off all faces, Isaiah 25, 8 and Revelation 21, 4. And he depicts this redemption, not in terms of intellectual satisfaction or quiet piety, but in terms of an extravagant feast. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on, on the lees, um, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined. Isaiah 25. Six. I'll have to look up what Lee's means later. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's entirely possible that when I used my phone to scan in this quote from the book, I missed a letter or two. (laughs) But the fact that it happened twice tells me it's it's probably Lee's and 
it's in the King James and I just need to look up what that actually means. <laughs> it's funny, mo most of the quotes in this um, book, because Douglas Wilson likes to use the, the King James version um, a lot. So a lot of the books that we read from him um, and a lot of the people he works with and writes books with use the King James version. So sometimes you get words like lees, L-E-E-S, um, where... <laughs> We have no idea what that means. <laughs> so um, let's, it uh, means, let's look that up. <laughs> it means uh, the sediment at the bottom of wine that's used to ferment it. Ah, got it. Okay. So it's literally, it's not a new, it's not a King James thing. It's just me being ignorant of how wine is made. Got <laughs> it. Okay. Okay. Cool. On the lees, though. That's interesting to put it, especially if it's supposed to be the 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 sediment on the bottom of wine that's used in fermenting yeah. it. Yeah. Well, if it's fermented well, then maybe it's wine that's fermented well. Um, oh yeah, because it does say on the on the lees well refined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, but the core part of that is you know make unto all people a host. The Lord will make. Unto all people, a feast of fat things, of fat things full of marrow, wines well refined, all of this extravagant language. Um, page 82, Douglas Jones said, we can at least start to feast with single meals. This is talking about, well, how do we, how do we fix the modern problem of strangling ourselves <laughs> and calling it piety? Um, living purposefully or lives or lives where it's like, all right, I have just enough to get by. That's, that's good. Um, how do we dispel those notions where we think that that's what piety means living poorly? We've, we've pendulum swung, right? We're going to talk about that in a second. How do we, how do we start to fix this? Um, this is page 82. We can at least start to feast with single meals, but even that will require a concerted pursuit of good cooking and delightful tastes. <clears throat> Jacob, God has surrounded us with so many amazing tastes, and yet we Americans barely scratch the surface. We Americans are barely scratching the surface, unquote. So, yeah, Jake, I think you can probably agree with that to some degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I <laughs> mean, to be honest, we, we seem to be um, just, we call it refining stuff. But really what we're doing is we're taking chemicals and we're just adding it to food instead of leaving the food the, the way it is and the way it was intended. I guess it could be, and... yeah, it could be understood as, oh, we're creating advances in this, in this field. Uh, no, no, advances, advances would be the use of a gas stove or a hood or a mixer or a blender or, you know, all those other things. Well, um, advances in this field are not genetically modified animals and plants. Um, yeah. Because yep. that's yep. just like, that's not, that's not fun. Also, also, yeah. whoever came up with the scientific advancement that is foie gras, please, uh, please don't, please don't. Please stop. That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, if you don't know what that is, send us an email and um, we'll send you some resources because we're not going to talk about that on the show. <laughs> really? It's just a horrifying method of animals, animal uh, brutality. 
All right. Um, so it's not just feasting that's involved in celebrating. Part of a good feast is also huh. good wine, which that's where I that's where I come in. <laughs> Love me some good wine. Page eighty three. Um, Douglas Jones said, "Good feasting involves drinking too, and central to any biblical feast is wine." Um, so. All of those pages, he goes into so much more detail, paints a great um, and very vivid picture of this biblical idea of feasting, pulls in so many other verses, he pulls in so many quotes. Um, he actually tells a story about um, how people used to feast in the South, like in, in America, um, in the South, how they feasted richly. And they would feast on what came in from the harvest that year. So if it's a good year, God blessed them with a magnificent harvest. They would have a massive feast on that harvest. If it wasn't, well, they'd have a smaller feast, but it was still a feast, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So that that was an interesting thing to me was um, him talking about, you know, God directly blessed those these people, these farmers, and it was a very clear, direct blessing from God that this is a, this is a harvest, like this is what God did in their fields right outside their door, you know, <laughs> the food that they grew themselves, that God grew for them and they were feasting on it. So it was really cool. He told a lot of really good stories in this chapter about that. So go back and check that out. All right. I two more sections and nine minutes to go through them. So here we go. Um, you thought we wouldn't have enough. <laughs> not this yeah. time. I didn't. Not that. Well, yeah. Oh, that's true. I did. Not, I thought I restrained myself from saying that this time, but I snuck a few words in at the beginning in the pre-show. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, I don't have as many quotes this time. You, Jake's like, yeah, you're good. You're good. You're you good. Do. I'm good. <laughs> Stop asking. Like It'll be fine. <laughs> go. <laughs> so I, I want to talk a little bit. We A little earlier, I said I was going to talk about uh, the pendulum swing, right? That's kind of been... Last month and a half, almost two months now, we, we've been talking about, there's really three different worldviews at play, right? There's the Christian worldview of Christendom and medieval Christianity, which is what this book is describing to us. But this book is also, by describing that, describing what modernity is not. Modernity is the antithesis of medieval Christianity. They're at odds with each other. They're exact opposites. Modernity was created to oppose medieval Christianity. Unfortunately, they've done a tremendous job with it. But at the same time, you get a pendulum swing of modern Christians who came out of modernity and did a full 180 turn. Except not really. <laughs> what they did was take out all the good, whatever slivers of good there were in modernity, squashed them, put them to death, and then came up with their own version of, quote-unquote, piety. And so that's the third worldview. And we're fighting against two worldviews here, modernity and Christian modernity. <laughs> it's modernity light, if you will, where we're pretending <laughs> to be um, living a Christian worldview, when in reality we've just pendulum swung from something. Rather that we're reactionary instead of saying, well, you you're going to do you, God will judge you, and your society is going to crumble. We're going to do what the Bible says, and eventually you're going to crumble, and we're going to take your place. Because <laughs> that's how this works. That's how history has always worked, and that's how it will work until Christ comes back. So, pendulum swing against modernity. 
That's the third group we're kind of opposing, and that's within our own camp, unfortunately. Modern Christians um, have constructed their own, what I call a constricting show of piety that constricts their lives. Um, page 84, Douglas Jones said, part of learning to celebrate in includes learning how to splurge and not be so tightly utilitarian. This is against those modern Christians, right? Our culture is so wicked in its neglect of savings and its slavery to plastic credit that we, with some right, run the other direction. But if your house is in order, it's time to learn how to splurge at times, end quote. He goes on to talk so much more about that on page 84, so definitely check that out. Page 85, another really, really good quote that I liked. Um, Douglas Jones said, Christ himself was not one to submit to false piety behind much tightwad thinking common to evangelicalism. When the woman poured an alabaster flack of flask of very costly oil on his head, the immature disciples complained. It might, uh, might have been sold for more than 300 pences and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Mark 14, 5 through 7. Let her alone. These are words of liberation, end quote. So hopefully you're all fairly familiar with that account um, of the woman who poured the oil on, on Christ's head, anointing him just before his death, right? Um, that, was, that was given to us for a reason. That account was given to us for a reason. And what does Christ say here? He says, let her alone. She, she's wrought a good work on me. Celebrating in this way is not a bad thing. Now, doesn't mean we go around doing it like all the time. That was a slightly special case because as Christ goes on to say in that verse, I'm going to be here for a few more days and then I'm going to be killed. So this is fine for now, right? Like what she's doing, you'll never have another opportunity to do again. Um, you know, he will be resurrected, but there's not need for an anointing of oil, like, in this way, because he's coming back as a king. So, um, so this was an interesting dichotomy, but it's still interesting to study this because it's talking about, still talking about splurging, still talking about, hey, this may not be the practical and self-righteous, pietous thing to do, but it's not a bad thing to do. It's still something we should consider. We should think about all the different times God calls us to feast and to celebrate, to splurge a little bit, which means, you know, obviously you're not going to put yourself in debt, but if God has blessed you with money, use it. The money's not there just to sit around. Now, that doesn't mean you should be bad stewards of your money. God did give you that to use for his kingdom, to give uh, an inheritance to your children's children, right? So we still see Proverbs talking here, right? Not going to throw out an entire book of the Bible that says be wise with your money and be frugal. But that doesn't mean self-righteous frugality, where we can't and enjoy ourselves at all. This is, this is where that celebration comes in and celebrate with the church. That is, a, that is in a sense, kingdom-oriented work or, or kingdom-oriented celebration in the sense of you're lifting up the spirits of the people in the church. You're celebrating mm. with the people in the church. Those yeah. people are becoming happy and joyful, yep. and it might lift them out of a deeper and depressed time. But using yeah. that extra money to do that 
is very helpful, I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Obviously, we're not yeah. saying that only do it for that, but, and you know. Right. <laughs> it's another reason to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll just wrap up by saying that celebrating with the things God has given to us is not just a nice idea. It's not just something we go, oh, yeah, that's a, you know, if, if I feel like it, then I'll do some celebrating. No, that's not the message we get from Scripture. Um, and that's not the message that this chapter was conveying by backing up with Scripture. Um, so, page 87, Douglas Jones said, The wisest man in the world taught us that there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy uh, good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. Ecclesiastes 2, 24. Nothing better. Nothing better. Eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. End quote. And I will leave you with that. Hopefully you uh, got some interesting things out of this chapter and you were fascinated to read more because this was, oh, but a sliver of all that's contained in these pages. So, <laughs> so check out Chapter 7, Angels in the Architecture by Douglas Wilson and Douglas Jones. Hopefully you have the book by now. If you don't have the book by now, you're a new listener of the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, grab your copy of this book at canonpress.com. Angels in the Architecture, just a tremendous book to read through. Um, Jake, anything you want to throw in there before we wrap up? Nope. Nope. Cool. He's not throwing anything in the pot, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing in the cauldron right now. <laughs> he's been, he's been sprinkling it in. Gave enough. I think I gave enough through, these, through this show. Yes. yes, you have. Yes, you have. I meant to say right now. There's enough in the pot. sprinkling it in the whole time. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's enough in the pot. Don't, don't, There's don't nothing in the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't overfill the pot. Right. All right. Well, thank you all so, so much for joining us, watching, or listening to us today. TRDshow.net is our show website. TRDshow.net. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Gab. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we will see you on Friday, where we discuss our top five favorite books. Yeah, I got a huge stack of books here. Jake's got a whole library of books there. I'm not in my usual place, but we still got books, of course. And uh, we're going to chat about our top five favorite books. So we'll see you then. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.